One of the things I love most about race car drivers is, um, you know, on the track, there's nothing more competitive, but then behind the scenes, all they do is heckle each other, right? You guys, it's been like a relentless... Great, does this work? It does. No, Hello? you're right. No, mine doesn't work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pat, Pato was giving me a shoulder massage earlier, earlier which was fantastic. You got to... Qualify it. Qualify it. Pressure. How it was, was like it? a five out of ten. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty average performance. <laughs> All right, we're going to get this thing started. All right, everybody, um, welcome to the 100 Days to Indie panel. We are so excited to be able to share the brand new series that is about to debut on the CW. It's going to come out April 27th, and it is all about IndyCar and the 100 days leading up to the Indy 500, the greatest spectacle in all of racing. And I think you guys would agree. Yes. Yeah. Biggest race in the world. Over 300 and something thousand people in the same place in one day. It's uh, proper insanity. <laughs> if you haven't experienced it before, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm Lindsay Zarniak, so I'm a sportscaster. I cover a lot of different sports, but truly uh, motorsports, specifically IndyCar, really has my heart. I first got the opportunity to go to an Indy 500 in 2013. I was hosting the pre-race show, and it blew my socks off. And we're going to get into more of what makes it so special, but I want to introduce these guys. Pato Award, um, they are Aero McLaren teammates, Pato Award, Alexander Rossi, and Rossi won the 100th running of the Indy 500. Pato. <laughs> Pato came in second last year uh. to Marcus Erickson. <laughs> um, they, are, they are both multi-time um, race winners in this series. Pato, we should mention, you finished second last week at St. Petersburg. Um, Rossi, fourth, presentable. And on the end, um, last but certainly not least, <laughs> Pat Diamond. Pat Diamond is the <laughs> Emmy Award. Are you open to okay? <laughs> no, I just love presentable. <laughs> That's oh. amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> it was adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, Pat Diamond on the end, everybody. He is an Emmy Award um, director who really you've become the king of 24 7 sports so you've worked with hbo he has covered in terms of the um how would you describe that i don't want to say reality sports but just that type of style of docu follow docu series yeah it's like an all um you know all access embedded um you know kind of started with i, I would say kind of hard knocks in the 24 sevens from hbo in the early 2000s and then now we've seen the kind of progression over the past 15 or 20 years but yeah, I would say, you know, yeah, sports docu-series where you're embedded behind the scenes with the teams and, yeah. Yeah, so, and we don't want to sell you short, so hockey, boxing, surfing, college football, and most recently, um, golf, full swing. So, awesome. Great job, Pat. Thank um, you. Anyway, how many of you in this room have been to an Indy 500? Okay, 50-50. How many to an Indy car race? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my second, third year in hosting the Indy 500, I had a chance to go in a two-seater. Um, but the problem was I was four months pregnant. And I cleared it with my doctor because I really wanted to do it and ride with Mario Andretti. He was the one giving the ride. In Indy? In Indy. Oh, nice. It was aggressive. It was intense. It was amazing. And my daughter, who's six, is hands down the fastest person in my family. True story. When she runs... 
she outshoots her brother, and I'm like, maybe that was it. What is one word that describes the Indy 500 to you guys? I think I said it a few moments ago, insanity, proper insanity. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's a, we use the word, excuse me, we use the word spectacle a lot, um, and I think I really realized that in 2020, right? So all of us obviously went through a huge change um, kind of in the winter and preceding 2020, and it affected all of our lives. But for us, specifically in IndyCar, we had the Indy 500 behind closed doors in August. And what that meant was we did the race, but there was no fans there. And what makes the Indy 500 what it is and makes it the spectacle that it is is the people that are there. And for me, that was the first time I really think we, as drivers, um, participating in, in teams, realized the impact that the fans have. So for me, it's spectacle, and it's because of each and every individual that shows up and is so passionate about the sport that we get to compete in. I would say high-octane, um, hyper-competitive, those are words that people use to describe it also. I love the way you guys summed it up. So Pat has been tirelessly working on this series. I think what's so cool is this is leading up to the race. So people are about to get, in essence, a sort of real-time look behind the scenes. How has this been for you putting this together? Yeah, so we've been um, filming, I'd say, for about a month, two months um, and with these two gentlemen to my right. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, this show is a little bit different in that um, all the filming and episodes will will take place leading up to the 500, which is nice, rather than you know a lot of uh, the series um, like Full Swing that we just did for Netflix. A lot of the series, you know, you film and then you edit and then it comes out after the fact. This one um, is cool because it's going to bring fans into you know this season leading. I mean you'll see footage from a week or two before the Indy 500 that will air um, in that episode. So yeah, it's a really cool series and um, we've probably filmed in the past month and a half or two months, we filmed with, I would say, 10 or so drivers so far. So we still have a, you know, a good amount of um, teams and drivers to meet, but obviously last weekend was, was St. Petersburg, was our first race and that was an amazing race um, on multiple levels for us just because it was our first one we were covering and it was obviously an action-filled race. So, um, yeah, it's been a blast. We've been, I've been kind of had the privilege to get to know um, a lot of the owners and, and the drivers and everyone that's involved, um, you know, pit crews and everyone. And so it's a really amazing world. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. We're only a month, two months into filming, but um, I'm excited to keep going. We've been begging for a, um, a snippet of it. Did you bring something with you? We sure did. <laughs> do you want to do the honors? Uh, yeah, so here is... The Indianapolis 500 is our mecca. It's our, our Super Bowl. It's the largest single-day sporting event in the world, so it's a crowd like no other. And it's a very tough race to win. I still have butterflies. I still get nervous before the start. This place chooses the winner every time, and you've got to earn it. It's going to be a great day. Let's be part of history. The Indy 500 is the one event, I think, in the world that can take your name to an entirely new level. Yeah, it is dangerous, but that's the thrill of it as well. The Indy car is just so, so competitive. You make one little mistake, there are 26 other cars out there, and they will beat you. For 17 races, we got to go out and do our jobs. I'll do, like, anything to win the 500. I think this 2023 season is going to be tough, real tough. I get to drive.
five race cars for a living, which I think it's every man's wet dream, bro. Win the championship, win the 500. Those are the main goals always. We've actually had a very poor performance at the Indy 500. It's unacceptable. We are red flag. We are, we're risking our lives, but it's what we want to do. It's what we love. I just want to beat every motherfucker out there. I don't care. There's your trailer. <laughs> nah. So, that's your all's first time, Pato. What were your thoughts on that? That's good, man. These guys know what they're doing. <laughs> I think I think it's something that we we as drivers have been so desperate for, um, just because we we are involved in it, right? And we know what it means to us and to, and to those who are intricately involved from a team perspective, a sponsor perspective, whatever. But we just want to introduce it to a new audience. That's part of why we're here. It's part of why Pat's here. I think he sees the vision. He gets it. Um, and we couldn't have a better group of people that's going to share the story of IndyCar racing to, to a wider audience. Oh, wow, that was awesome. Pat, why, why do you think that this series is the perfect fit? What have you experienced as to why this is such a great marriage between this project and the sport? Yeah, I think, um, obviously, the world of, 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 of racing IndyCar and, and, and motorsports are, you know, inherently dangerous, which clearly, you know, brings that to the viewer, so we don't really need to play up the danger too much. And then, but we get to, you know, see the other side of these, of these teams and drivers and owners. We get to go behind the scene of what you don't see on the broadcast, um, you know, before and after and what you don't see on their social media. We go, you know, into their living rooms, into their kitchens, you know, there's highs and there's lows. So we really get to show the world, you know, who, you know, who these, who these teams and who these drivers are. And I think that to me is, um, is the most special part. And I just want to add to that. I think, you know, Part of what this show is going to be able to do and part of what IndyCar and us drivers in general have wanted to do is you have to remember this sport, <clears throat> excuse me, is there's a lot of money that's spent in it, right? It's a very expensive thing to go do for a weekend when you compare it to other stick and ball sports, for example. And because of that, there's companies and sponsors and there's a business element and aspect to it which expect a certain level of response and professionalism, which we are more than happy to, to show and share and, and, and meet that criteria. But I also think it, it leaves a little bit to be desired from a fan perspective of when they're watching the race on NBC, for example, and something happens. You know, for us, we're not bigger than any of the partners that are involved in supporting us to be in this championship. So we can't go say, oh, F that guy, that guy's a bitch or whatever, right? we have to be very much go down a line of this is kind of the corporate ideology that we need to represent. And, and that is important. And that's something that, that we have to keep. But at the same time, this show is giving you a behind the scenes look as to who we are as individuals, right? It's not just us as race car drivers in front of a camera. It's this is we're people that have day-to-day -day struggles that are the same as everyone else. We have the emotional aspect of it. You have the pressures to perform and succeed that everyone else has in their day-to-day -day lives. And I think that making this a more relatable sport to people is something that's a huge priority of ours and, and kind of alluding to what, what Pat was saying, like this is a true behind the scenes experience that you're not going to get by just watching IndyCar races on TV. 
I love that you say that because I feel like also in other sports, and I'm sure maybe some athletes in motorsports feel that way, that maybe they don't all love that. But that's a really interesting, and it's a, it's a great point that you bring up. Can you give us, either one of you guys, an example of something that maybe viewers are going to see in those moments after, you know, after a race, whether or not things are going well or they're not? What types of things haven't they seen before? Uh, you'll probably see a lot of beeps. Um, <laughs> it, it gets emotional. It, it, it can really get emotional, just depending on what circumstance you are in, right? Depending on what race, some of you know some of the races, like the Indy 500, is is obviously the biggest one that we have, and it's our crown jewel. But more than just seeing a little bit of what, I guess, what the emotions that we go through, because like Alex said. We need to tone it down a lot after, you know, after a, either a, a difficult race or there's been an incident. You, you can't just pour out your heart. Well, I think the perfect example is what just happened. So what just happened at Pato in St. Pete? He was leading the race with two laps to go. There was an event that happened inside of the engine that's out of everyone's control. Like it wasn't anyone's fault. It wasn't Chevrolet's fault. It wasn't Pato's fault. It wasn't the team's fault. But it happened. And it cost him the race win. He can't just get out and be like, these guys screwed me or this screwed me or whatever, right? He has to be like, okay, it was a really good day for the team. Ultimately, we finished second. But inside, like, it's hard to win an IndyCar race. Like, it's, you're not winning more than three or four a year, right? And then I think that's something that we'll talk about later. But, like, you lose a lot more than you win in the sport. But for him, like, that was an opportunity that was taken from him. And you're not able to get the emotion that I think a lot of people would expect because of these things that we've already talked about. Yeah, so you, you have to tone it down. Why, though? And I don't want to interrupt you because I want you to keep going, but, like, what would happen if you did just let it fly? Well, I don't think it's a good idea either because we all need everybody to do their job to win. I have to do my job. The guys in the pits have to do their job. The engine guys have to do their job. The, you know, the, everybody has a place in the team, and when somebody doesn't do their job, you don't win. Mm -hmm. But that somebody might be you one day where you screw up and your whole team and everybody behind you did the right things and they're not going to bash you. So I think it's, sure. it's a gentleman's agreement of like, you know, I'm not going to bash you, you're not going to bash me, but I think it's also very respectable when the party owns up to it. And um, a, a couple days ago, you know, I, I talked to Chevrolet and, and I know they came out in public and basically, basically an apology. And um, I've always had really high respect for that because... That's how relate. That's how relationships will last. They won't last if you just bash them, you know. Mm -hmm. But they will last if, if there's good communication and, you know, you will get to see that side of it, which is, on tr you know, track side kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of the interesting bits that you'll be able to see that probably they've never been seen, um, is the people that revolve around the drivers. Like, you'll be able to see insights of the moms and the sisters and the brothers and the best friends. And, like, you will see a lot of, of what each driver kind of circles in with. And, I mean, there's characters out there. I don't know if you... I mean, you've got to agree. There's for sure, for sure characters out there. And, and it's just... It's a human sport at the end of the day. We're not robots, you know? We're, we're not trained to... We try and, and rep, you know, make everything identical, right? Uh, when we when we're doing something well, but 
emotions are something that are inevitable. Like there's not one instance where you're going to be like, mm, I'm going to shut them off now. Like you just, they're always going to be there. So I think as you mature, you grow how to deal with them. Maybe do you agree? You are maturing a lot. It's very oh, good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just, it's, it, it'll, it'll be fun to watch. I can, I can tell you that. Has it been fun to film, Pat? Like what, are, what are some of the highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the clip you saw, uh, the team went down to, to Monterey with, uh, with Pato. Was that two, two weeks ago? Um, that's going to be, uh, I've seen the footage. It's edited. It's phenomenal. Um, and then on the flip side, we played video games with Alex in his basement. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, it's kind of the, uh, you know, we always tell the driver, you know, whomever we're filming with, you may not think something, you know, when we ask, hey, what's your schedule this week or this day, you may not think that, you know, making eggs with your significant other is something interesting, but that would be interesting to the viewer, but it's, you know, depending on how we use it in the show, a, a breakfast scene or a car, you know, a drive to a workout at the gym, like those are moments that you can kind of, and, you know, you guys have all seen these in the shows, you can kind of, depending on where that driver, that character is in that story arc, you can use those moments as a real, you know, you know, not everything has to just be these like amazing, you know, workout scenes or fast cars, like the real solitary moments um, are just as powerful as, you know, we flew with, um, I flew with one of the drivers from um, Miami to St. Petersburg and, his, and, and, and Alex has his pilot's license, like that's the stuff, yeah, of course it's, it's, beautiful and it's cool to see these guys flying planes but there's also those moments that are just the quiet home moments where you know that are just as powerful in my opinion so i you know i love a good mix of um you know filming the the amazing moments you know racing cars in in, in mexico but then the real quiet moments of just in their living room where you know um it's just you and them and you can kind of feel what's happening you probably get a real feel for who they are as people do you feel that, that you get a really great sense of, of all of these athletes? Yeah, and, and you know, I've worked, with, I've worked with a ton of athletes, and I always tell them, listen, like, you are letting us, this isn't mandatory, you are allowing us and, and the viewer and, and the public to be in your world. Like, you've signed up, obviously, to, to let the world, you know, into your life on the track before and after, but you are now opening up this, you know, you're opening up your kind of private life to the world. So I always tell everyone, listen, you know, you just tell me what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with. And, you know, this is like a symbiotic relationship. Like I, you know, I'm not here to, you know, put anything out that you're not comfortable with, but um, at the same time, there are highs and lows that the, that the viewer and the public want to see. So you kind of have to, don't be afraid to like open up and like show your kind of emotions a little bit because that makes great television also. Yeah. And it makes them so relatable, I think, in a different way. I want to ask you about the audience because CW and Vice, where you can also watch this and fast replay, re-air, will be much younger audiences that are exposed to this behind-the-scenes look at IndyCar. So what does that mean? And also, I mean, I think a lot of people in this room have probably seen Drive to Survive on Netflix. And so this is similar but different. How? 
Um, yeah, obviously, Drive to Survive is an amazing series. We work with 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 Box to Box closely, or I work with Box to Box closely. Um, they're amazing. The series is amazing. It's an amazing storyteller. I think um, storytelling. I think it's really um, kind of re the spotlight on these kind of sports doc series. Um, so the success from that show is clearly being felt across, you know, the whole industry. Um, but I would say, you know, I think this show, to your earlier point, is going to open up to a larger audience. Obviously, you have your diehard indie fans, um, IndyCar fans from all over the world and all over the country. But my goal for this show is to really open up, you know, with these showing who these with the who these teams and drivers and owners are off the track is to open it up to a public you know to a wider audience so it's the you know brother cousin sister who you may watch the show with and you're like oh my god now i'm i'm rooting for alex for for i'm rooting for pato for for the 500 so you you know it's opening up and showing the human side so that you gain a bigger audience because it's a lot easier to watch a sporting event when you are invested in who's kind of involved in it, you know. So um, mm -hmm. that's what I hope the series will do. What's been your takeaway watching or paying attention to that series to drive or survive and as athletes? I think Pat kind of just finished with it. You know, Formula One, you know, is especially in in Europe, right? It's it's a piece of their culture. It's a piece of the culture over over in Europe, and what that means is so many of the fans there have an affinity with the brand, right? You know, you have, and, and that also comes down to the access that exists in Formula One, which is none. Um, you, you're not gonna be able to get up close and personal to the drivers. I think that's all kind of been changed by Drive to Survive in the aspect that, you know, prior to this television show, people were a Ferrari fan, regardless of who drove for them, right? Because they didn't really know the driver was just someone to put a helmet on and drove the Ferrari, right? Whereas now it introduced them to, again, kind of the same thing that, that 100 Days to India is, it's the behind the scenes and the human aspect of, of who these people are as individuals. And I think that, um, you know, that's certainly been exciting for us to see that there has been such a positive response um, to people being interested in motorsports. You know, I think you know, as the world's changing, um, as, as all of our priorities are changing, you know, there was, a, there was a period of time where I think there was a concern that maybe people aren't that interested in, in cars or the gearhead generation is, is dying, right? And I think that Drive to Survive has kind of proven all of that wrong. Like racing is something that's still incredibly appealing. It just has to be shown in a way that people want to consume it, right? And I think that in terms of what we're doing from a sustainability standpoint, it's very interesting to people. I think, again, we keep coming back to the human aspect of it. That's very interesting to people. So I think that Drive to Survive certainly has been successful. I think 100 Days to Indy is the same, but also very different. So I think that people that are a fan of it will enjoy 100 Days to Indy, but I think it'll also appeal to a, a different audience, even even again, from, from what Drive to Survive did. Pato? I covered it all pretty good. <laughs> okay, 10-4. Um, so one thing, though, that I think is that should be talked about is something that makes this extremely unique, which is really in the title. It's the Indy 500. And the fact that you're giving people this access behind the scenes that they have never seen, but it is leading up to an event that is, for the past 17 years, 
years has come down to what is it the last the last race the championship right um, in terms of the series but for the Indy 500 that is a race that you guys talked about you know tradition um, I remember my first year I had had producers that I was there for ESPN and people had said oh you won't believe all the the fans that had been coming to this for years and I believed them but it wasn't until I was in the garage and I would have people come up to me and say, oh, we're so glad, you know, ABC, ESPN is here. I haven't missed this race in 40 years. And I'm looking at them like, like for real? Like every year, for 40 years. They mean they physically have shown up. So this is a race a lot of you guys know, but it's, it's in their blood. It is the lore of their family. It is passed down from generation to generation. And I, I kind of get goosebumps even talking about it because as that first time I was there in person, all of the things that lead into this tradition, the flyover, the um, back home in Indiana, the, the singing, the bagpipes, all of it, you really can't describe what that's like until you see it in person. How do you guys feel as drivers being there physically? What is that like? So my, my first time experiencing the Indy 500 was 2016, the, the year that Alex won it. And the day before, because, I mean, you'll, you'll see qualifying. You'll see, like, you know, 100,000 people. Like, you know, it gets pretty packed up. But the place is huge. Like, 100,000 people there, it looks empty because the thing is massive. And the difference from qualifying or, like, carb day, that, like, 100-ish people, you know, show up to race day. You know, I was asking, you know, when, when should I arrive? Um... I didn't have a police escort or anything, so I was kind of like, you know, what's a good time? They're like, well, you know, like 5. A.M. Like A.M. <laughs> and I was like, really? I didn't believe them. So I, I said, I'm going to push it to like 6.30. It took me an hour and a half to get inside of the track, and there were hundreds and hundreds of, like it was still pitch dark. And there were hundreds of cars outside of the gates, like lines that go miles. And I was like, what? Like, what is this? This is insane. I had never seen that. In, like, I've just never been to an event where it was just crazy. Like, it was 5 a.m. Well, these people were, like, outside their trucks partying like crazy. And, I mean, to me, that was a, you know, a very new thing. And obviously, then I get into the track I wait for like six more hours for the, the race to start. <laughs> what did you do during that time? What is a driver? I slept a bit in the car. Then I like walked out and went and watched the cars and stuff. Um, so I, at that time, well, no, I was not in Andretti yet. But anyways, um, the race starts. And w when the guys kept changing like um, the lead, Every time there was a pass, the crowd just goes, oh, like the whole place. And I got to experience that last year when I, when I kept switching around the lead. Like, and the cars are loud. And you can, every time that I passed for the lead, I can just hear, oh, I was really? like, holy shit. <laughs> like, this is insane. And, what does that um, do when that happens? It's just like, whew. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to explain. I mean, I, I don't have the feelings of what it, it is to win it. Uh, hopefully, I get to experience that soon, but he does. Yeah. And um, it's just, like, I can't explain how, how 
how that experience as a whole is. And not it's not just a race. It's not like it's not just like you know a race win. It's like the whole event. Oh, and then the snake pit. Have you guys heard of the snake pit before? <laughs> That place gets <laughs> that place gets crazy. Uh, snake pit might be for you, may not be for you, but if you're big big into raves, it'll be one or the other. Yeah, it's either one or the other. You're and, not halfway uh, in. No, nah, but there's a place for everybody there, and um, it's just it's unbelievable. And I and I tell all my buddies like, you need to experience this live, like. You know what race should I go to? Five hundred. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna plan to go somewhere and miss work, school, whatever, you have to experience that race because it is. It's just unexplained. The event is is awesome. Yeah, um, you know I think I was asked a lot of times, right? Like post, what's cool about the five hundred is, um, you know, unlike another race where if you win in Ohio on a Sunday, you know, people talk about it till maybe Monday and then kind of life goes on. The 500, it's, it's truly you become kind of the, the face and the ambassador of the event for an entire year. So for me, it was talking about the 100th running and then, you know, getting people excited about the 101st running. And I say this with the utmost sincerity. I had never been to a 500 before 2016. So the first one that I went to, I was a rookie, but I had also never attended it. And people ask me, like, what is, your, what is your favorite part about that day? And for me, because I was a rookie, I had no concept or belief whatsoever, neither did any of the 340,000 people that were there, that I was going to win. So for me, what I remember more than anything, and, I, and, I, and like I said, I mean this, was the lead up to that event and everything that goes into that. And I still look back on that, honestly, with the same level of fondness, if not almost more, than winning that race. Because being able to be one of those 33 individuals that gets to take part in that event is one of the coolest things that any person, athlete, race car driver, it doesn't matter. It is, it is one of the coolest things that you can do in your life. So for me, like, yeah, winning it was cool. And I was very fortunate. I was incredibly blessed to, to have that opportunity and to have the team. But coming back the next year, and now seven years removed, every time that I start that race and, and, and get to qualify for that race, because you're not guaranteed it. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, Will Power almost didn't make the race. Um, a friend of mine uh, didn't make the race. Like, you're not guaranteed to make it. You have to qualify and earn your way in. So every single time that you get that opportunity to start it, like, you're, you're on cloud nine. Like, it's the coolest day of your life all over again. And so for us, every single time, um, you know, that the race starts, we love it. And every single time it ends, the countdown towards the next year begins. And the, the competition factor, I would love to touch on a little bit of that and also, Pat, what your, how you guys sort of game plan for capturing as it gets closer to the 500, but the competition, once that event you know, is, is right ahead, must feel different, correct? Because then you've got the you know, qualifications and it's like you have the opportunity to put down four laps to try to be the fastest. I mean, and that's intense, correct? Like that, I mean, that is, and the risk and the danger with that. Can I bump in a little bit? Done. Third, one minute. And because I, I feel like it's very underrated. The, hey, no, you are going to agree when I say this. So we'll the see. Indy 500 cars are, they're not made, but like they are prepared months in advance like 
six six months in advance before the event. The car you arrive with at the 500, the first day you are there, is the best car that you're going to have for the two weeks that you're in Indy for all the 500 stuff, qualifying race. An added pressure to qualifying is you shunt that car and you're in a pickle, like bad. And that's what makes it maybe not so enjoyable for us. I don't know if you agree. I love it. I oh, love yeah. qualifying, yeah. No, but I mean, would you love shunning it and be like, mm, okay, you know? Mm. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, you can continue. That's it. I don't even know how. Um, I mean, whatever. So, but so, yeah, so to your point, you've got to worry about hanging on to your car that you want to be racing with on race day. You've got to worry about being faster than everybody else. <laughs> you've got to worry about your teammates, right? And what's going on there. Pat. I want to bring you back in here. What, um, what, what kind of game planning does go into that? And as you, because in your series, and I know we keep saying this, but you're getting closer to the big thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we plan on spending a lot of time in Indy in May. I think uh, it's a whole... Smart. It's a whole basic... Yeah. <laughs> Good plan, <laughs> yeah. We're going to be there. We'll show up maybe day before, see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, no, like... The whole town, and you guys were talking about it before, the whole town kind of rallies behind it. So we're not just doing the race. We're covering, you know, how the town and the whole ecosystem around it is. So we're going to be there even, yeah, end of April all the way through um, May and just covering the whole the whole scene of it. Um, but as far as, you know, as far as kind of how the episodes go, I think um, we're just kind of seeing how how the race result. I mean, obviously we're covering all, you know, all the teams and drivers, but we're going to see how the results go. You know, we'll use those as kind of tent poles throughout the season with the first um, five races. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we'll see, you know, the episode that'll lead right up to the 500 will kind of be the last check-in and to see, you know, how, how, how our drivers and team or, and owners are all feeling and, and, and then that'll kick us right into it. So um, the cannon, what time does the cannon go off? Is it 5.45, or do you remember? It's too early. It's too I early. hear it every yeah. morning. So, every yeah. it's, it's, I, think, I think it's 6 a.m. to signal the gates open opening. The gate. yeah. So one thing that, as, as Pato was talking about, some of the tradition things, that um, the cannon goes off in the morning of the Indy 500 at 6 a.m., so it's still dark, but you hear the cannon. It symbolizes the gates opening. And then one of my favorite things is they have this big um, cart-type thing rolling in with the milk which is the milk that the champion of that race will drink. And one of the coolest things is that every driver, how often, how early do you guys have to put in your milk selection? Every single driver in the field has to submit the type of milk they want to drink if they win. So here is the list of last year's, and you see the lion's share of the drivers choose whole milk, but there are some really, um, and that's what both of you fellows up here did as well, but there are some interesting ones. Elio Castroneves said a whole pink powder, please. So he wants strawberry milk <laughs> if he wins. And you'll see a couple of the guys say ice cold, make it cold, chocolate. Juan Pablo Montoya had chocolate. Um, like, what are you thinking when you guys are filling out whatever you're submitting for this? So the, re the reason for whole milk yes. is it looks way better when you pour it on yourself in pictures. What, what looks better? Whole. Really? Because I chose 2% and it didn't, 
Didn't look oh, as good. Oh, really? Yeah. It's too clear. It's, too like, clear. it's, too it's not great. It wasn't so like I chose it. It was like, oh, that's what I eat with my cereal, <laughs> so that's what I'm going to pick. Wrong. Um, <laughs> the guys that choose buttermilk, I have to give them a shout out because, like, that is that is the original what Louis Meyer drank. It's disgusting. Oh. But, like, he did it. People in those day and ages were weird. Um, Elio, the reason he did pink powder was because he drives a pink car. Oh, sorry. Some, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So like, but that it's for a good reason. It's uh, for dry pink oh. breast cancer awareness. Right. It's a good thing. So okay. we can't we can't ten four be mad at him about that. Uh, Juan Montoya. Um, so chocolate is what I think someone from the series filled in because what he actually put I'm not going to say, but it was to feed an infant. It was what? <laughs> the milk used to feed an infant. But someone crossed that out and put chocolate. So. <laughs> That's one for you. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all the commentary I'm going to put that. I didn't know that story. No yeah, way. Yeah, Juan's a weird, weird dude. If you guys know Juan Pablo Montoya, you for sure believe that. Yeah. 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 He won it a couple years before you. He won it, it in 2015. Yep. Yes. The year one before. Year before you. Yeah. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> So yeah, so that's some of the the fun, but also a very significant part of that yes. race event, um, which is very cool. And you're right about the pictures; it definitely looks better in pictures. Oh yeah. The um, Alex, after winning that race, you talked a little bit about how it changes your life. How does it change the rest of the season for you as a driver? Um, it depends. I think it really depends. You know, if you go into the season knowing that the team that you're in and, and the, the the combination of what you have is capable of winning a championship, um, it's a great thing to win because it's like, man, that up until this year was double points. So it was like basically you got two wins on your way to hopefully try and, try and win a championship over the course of 17 races. Um, if you're in a situation where, you know, you kind of go into the series, you know, hoping to be in the top, eight in the championship or whatever, and you're able to win a 500, it's like, man, job's done. What else do we do for the next 12 races? Like, it kind of takes a lot of pressure off of, for the rest of the season. Um, and, and that can be a good or a bad thing. You know, some guys, I think, I think Marcus, well, he's not there anymore, but Marcus is a perfect example of that. You know, I think that he's obviously a, a very talented individual. He drives for a great team in, in Chip Ganassi Racing. But, you know, he, he won the 500, um, and I don't think a lot of people expected him to. And for him, there was like a, a kind of moment where, you know, he, he reached the, the epitome of the sport for a period of time. And, and in a lot of ways, kind of, he was able to prove a lot of doubters wrong. And it took the pressure off of him. And, and what he's gone on to do is he's been, over the last 28 races, like arguably on points, the most successful driver, right? And, and so I think that, you know, it, it certainly can elevate people to, to take that next level because they now finally have kind of broken through and in their mind proved everyone what proved everyone what they always believed. And, you know, he's now leading the championship one race in. So I think it can it can certainly not only change your your life from a personal perspective, but certainly from your career standpoint, give you the runway to to prove to everyone what, you know, you're ultimately capable of. Mm -hmm. How much hungrier does it make you having won one because you've experienced yeah, it? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. You know, I think I think you know there's always the talk about you know when when TK won in 2013, I think, and when Will won in 2018. 
um, you know, there was this, these guys have been trying for so long and they're so good at, at driving indie cars and what they do, but they had always come up short until this year and there was this emotion that came out of them. And it was like, yeah, that's how much that race means. But then also on the flip side of it, you've got people, um, you know, like myself or Simon or Scott Dixon, right, who have won this race before and you get a taste of what that's like and so you know how, how good it is, right? And so you want to be able to experience that again. Whereas if you haven't won it, you don't really actually know like kind of what happens. Um, so I, I believe the people that have won it and experienced it before, like their desire to win it again is, is even higher just because they want to be able to do all the cool, cool stuff all over again. Pato, what's your perspective on that? You came so close last year. What, is, what has that been like? <laughs> there are lots of questions of... <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's, it has, I mean, obviously it hasn't changed my life because I didn't win it. Um, you know, will it change my life when I win it? I don't know. I do think it, it definitely puts you in a different kind of spotlight, I guess. Uh, a lot of people, I think, asking, you know, would you rather be a, champ, a championship champion or Indy 500 champ? And everybody chooses the 500 because when you win an Indy 500, you're, you're not forgotten ever. And not that being a champion, you get forgotten, but the 500, I mean, your face is on a freaking trophy. I don't know if you've seen that trophy, but it's, I mean, you're, everyone's face is legit on it, and it just keeps getting taller and taller. It's like that big, right? Yeah. You're like etched in silver. And that's what the 500 means to everybody. It's just you've, you've kind of like reached that goal that everybody gr grows up having just because it is the, you know, it's, it's the one, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I definitely don't think it takes away from, from how hard it is to, to win it and how hard it is to win a championship. I, I think the IndyCar championship is the hardest to win in the world just because of how tight the competition is. I mean, you, you'll see, you know, at the 500, there's 33 cars, and for the rest of the season, there's 27 full-time entries. And, I mean, you're gonna, you'll see 25 cars in less than a second. And, it's, yeah, I mean... What was the difference between like you know P1 to like P15 in St. Pete, or like transferring two tenths maybe three tenths, two tenths, yeah. like two tenths, like two tenths of a second, 15 cars, and that's insane. It just makes it, it all the races get pretty exciting because we all know as drivers, there's three opportunities for you to get by somebody. There's one in the pit stop sequence, so either try an overcut or undercut. You either are on way fresher tires than the guy in front of you, or at a restart with everybody's packed up, and that's where opportunity usually comes about. But when you get stuck behind somebody, even if just because everything is so tight and so similar, it is so hard to pass. So a lot of the times when you'll see people send it, Perfect example, last weekend in St. Pete. Two guys, it was uh, Grosjean, McLaughlin, and me. I had VIP seats for the whole thing. And on both pit stops, Grosjean tried to go to the outside. The first one almost ended up with him in the wall, but the second one ended up with both of them in the wall. 
And that's because Grosjean's never won his first race. Mm-hmm. McLaughlin has. But they're, they're both going for the win. But they know that that is the chance either to maintain your lead or get, get the lead. Like, after that, you're, you're just going to be stuck behind the guy just because it's, it's just so tight. And not because you can't pass. You can definitely do it. But a lot of the times, it's, it's those little moments in the race where, where, you'll, see, where, you, where you'll see it very, um, very action-packed just because the chances of you getting it later on are very slim. How often is the, the element of risk slash danger in the back of your minds? Mm, you try not think about it because when you think about it is when you're gonna mm-hmm. is when you're gonna put yourself in a difficult situation probably. I don't would you agree with that? Like Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is like when you hit something, your first reaction is like, is there a chance the car's still okay? Like you're you're trying to like believe that like th- you can keep going somehow, right? Because you've let everyone else down in your mind, right? So the last thing that you're thinking of is like, did I break a thumb or a wrist? Like, you don't really care. It's like, is the car in any way okay? Or like, will they be able to get it fixed before the next session? Or like, you don't care about yourself. Like, it's a very weird kind of thing that you that you have. And, and I think some of that comes from, you know, how, how much of a priority IndyCar places on safety. You know, in, in some respects, we kind of have this feeling of, invincibility because you have so many impacts throughout your racing career and and everything and 99% of the time you're totally fine right so you never really actually think about it and we take for granted kind of the risk that is associated with it and that is a product of how much effort and time and money and resource IndyCar and the tracks and and everyone involved have put into the safety of, of these cars. So with all of that, and do you want to add something? No, you can continue. Okay. <laughs> with all of that on top of it, what Alex just said, how do you guys, um, I guess, process through the mental aspect of it, whether it's a win or a loss? You both, you know, both have experiences through both sides. Uh, Lost a lot. Yeah. There's a lot more. Yeah, 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 thanks, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more losses than wins. Uh, and that's just something that comes with the sport. And you can never lose a sight of, of what you want to accomplish. But there's also n- dwelling in something that happened in the past or that, you know, was it in your control, out of your control. It doesn't help you stay there. You know, you have to move on. You have to turn the page. And I think it's like that for us every single weekend because – you can have a great race. But even if you won the race, like, there's another one coming up and you, 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 you got to arrive there wanting to win. You can't just be like, oh, I want to race. I'm chilling. Like, no. Like, so I think in a, in a way it's extremely fast-paced. Um, and it's just, it's always, it's always, you know, making sure you, you close each chapter uh, in the best way, and like, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What do we need to do better? And then move on, next one. And you always, there's always increments that you're trying to make throughout the championship. And um, so you're trying to improve on certain things. And yeah. is it like you set goals for each race? Okay, um, we know even if we don't win, here's. I mean, there's so many doing. things out of your control, right? In, as much as you put trust in, in like, you know, the preparations of the, of the car, 
there will be instances and it won't be the last instance where there's a mechanical like there those things will happen and those are inevitable like those those things are just going to happen and you know how do we how do you deal with that i think at least from from my experience is that you need to maximize everything you can that you can control everything else you just, you need to accept it you you don't fight it like oh why me like well suck it up like happened to you so kind of it's you just you can't forget to enjoy what you're doing because i mean it can happen we've seen it with a lot of friends friends of ours you don't perform you're out of a job so like it's a constant pressure of always you you got to perform i love that aspect of it um but there's also a constant like growth of like you want to be better you want to get better you want you want you always want more you you never you never settle some guys settle but i feel like the guys that you that you see in the series for so many years is because in a way it's never enough and you always just want more and more and more and more and the highs that that a race win gives you um you know not even to mention an indy 500 win it's that's what makes like all the long days, all the long, because we're not the only ones putting a lot of work into this. Like the engineers, the mechanics, like these guys put their lives into preparing these race cars. And a little bit of what like Alex said, the last thing you want to do, you know, whenever you have an incident is because you, you kind of feel like you, I mean, you've let down hundreds of people. Like for us, we have over a hundred and something people in Indy, but then we have another group in London um, that supports trackside all the time. So like it's a lot of people yeah. and a lot of time and energy that, that they dedicate for you to, you know, they basically, they give you the best race car they can give you. You're not going to have the best one every single weekend, but it's for sure always the goal. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's just what makes the victory so special is the relationships that you just keep on kind of making stronger throughout with your engineers and you know even with your teammates and that's what makes it so so sweet anything to add alex no that what um if you guys don't know alex has a podcast that how, how many episodes a week just the one thank just god the one, thank yeah. god um, it's called off track with hinch and rossi <laughs> Um, but it's great. It's a it's a great mix of some lifestyle fun stuff, but also the nitty gritty. Thanks for the shout out. You're welcome. You can Behind. listen to it anywhere you get your podcast, guys. <laughs> but it, I find it is a great sort of race recap in a cool way, right? Um, right, Pato. Your, your buddy. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, you liked it. You don't like it anymore? No, I liked it. Oh, you oh you liked it. Yeah. You press heart. Thanks, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Two parts. Oh yeah. Right. Talking about the right one. I mean, I think it's one part. What? It's the producers back there, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, like, you're asking Pat a question. Pat, what what has surprised you so far about your job in this series? Um, Pat can't be biased, okay? So yeah, Alex I, and Pat are the coolest dudes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. The the uh, you know I spoke about it a little bit earlier. It's always kind of that. Uh, courting period amongst you know the um whatever league or athletes you're you're working with it's always kind of that period where you get to meet everyone and and kind of describe your vision for the show and the series and what what you're thinking and 
um, you know, it comes with inherent kind of a lot of back and forth, but yeah, I mean, everyone, you know, drivers, owners, indie, like everyone is, is obviously is fully invested in the show, which makes my life a lot easier because I don't have to go banging down doors to kind of get like, Hey, what are you doing next Thursday? We'd love to have a crew come to your house. It's like immediate responses. So, you know, the, yeah, it makes my life a lot easier that everyone is invested in the, um, you know, is invested in the show. So that's great. And then, um, yeah, I think just the, 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 I went to my first race, uh, last weekend and it's hard to capture the, the speed, the power, the like sound. I mean, I'm not going to say TV is not going to do it justice cause I don't want you people to not watch the show, uh, but it is hard to, uh, you know, capture. It's just like razor's edge. You know, we, we, we filmed in thermal out in, in California, which is a practice. Um, it was the first time you guys were in thermal, right? Yeah. So that was my first real, I mean, we are in the pits we're filming. I am two feet from Alex's face as he's about to, you know, go flying out of this, um, you know, out of this, out of this pit stop. So it's really, yeah, I, I've obviously never been that close before. I don't think most people have. I mean, yeah, the speed, the power, the sound, the 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 analytics happening. They have a whole, they have a tent covered with 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 engineers and 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 everyone on radio and the whole pit crew. It's just a yeah, it's a real, it's just a scene, and it's and I'm excited to show. Obviously, you know, we'll have all the the the, the sexy shots of the cars tight, you know, flying around corners. But then there's also that behind the scene of watching all the pit crew. I mean, everyone is so meticulous with like their tools and everything is like the shops in Indy and the, and the shops when they, when they set up the paddocks on site are like, you know, you could eat off the floor. So it's just a very, uh, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting world. And I think in a lot of sports, obviously we see the starting five on the, on the court or, you know, you know, you see the players and that's kind of the focus, but, um, it's a, it's a whole world behind it. That is, uh, fascinating and so that to me is really exciting to show what about the um technology in terms of shooting right we we were talking a little bit before about how i think in motorsports their sport evolves so fast right and consistently you you guys would say that right but so does the technology with what you've got to use to, to capture that right yeah, so we are, my philosophy, I think, is to try and when we, on these access shows, you know, over the years, obviously, it's gotten easier with the technology of, of, of high-end cinema, you know, cinema um, cameras, is that I don't want to roll into Alex's house with a gigantic crew and a huge camera and a whole setup, so the nature of these series is to try and be as kind of fly on the wall as possible so i think uh and i'm not kind of like tooting my own horn here but i used to um just direct photography strictly so one thing that i can do is go into a car or a home or a you know a, a, a quieter scene with just a camera and capture um you know capture something that is real Whereas maybe if you go in with, with, a, with a sound, you know, with a, with a larger crew and, you know, I think 
the technology we you know we film on we try to when we can we film on, on on smaller cameras and go as lightweight as possible because that way we can really slide in undetected not undetected but you know not you know really try and get them in their natural state as much as possible without being like you know gigantic camera in their face so um I try and do that as much as I can. A lot of the shoots I'll go on by myself and I'll and I'll and I'll just I'll run audio and I'll run the camera myself and, and I think it usually delivers um yeah, it just has that that feeling. And then obviously some scenes when it's ten guys, you know, we need more cameras and we kinda do that. But yeah, the technology is is uh is amazing. And then, you know, the in car cameras that you'll see from the race you know, from the races that 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 vantage point is unbelievable. So yeah, technology all around is is going to make this show um, amazing. Is there has there been anyone that's been like get that out of my face, or have there been any really high drama moments that you can actually talk about? Um, I'd say uh, we haven't had that. Obviously, last weekend St. Petersburg was emotional for some particular drivers, um, and and. We captured the uh, the low and the high of it all. So, um, yeah, I won't name names, but yeah, I mean, there there are definitely tense moments, and you have to kind of walk that line again. Like I said, I'm not here. It's not like a gotcha moment. Yeah, sure. like it, it, there is content that we would love to capture because obviously drama sells shows and it's great to see them kind of vulnerable it's not all highs you know you got to see the lows so but i know when to kind of be like you know i'll you know i'll look at a a, a subject and then and and if he if he or she gives me like the we're good then you know then you'll then you'll just peel away and, and know when to kind of when to call it on that note we've been given the call it sign because our time is <laughs> <Yeah>. up <laughs> um but again CW, April 27th, you can watch 100 Days to Indy, then it will fast re-air new verbiage um, on Vice, right? So Alex Rossi, Pato Award, Pat Diamond, thank you guys so much. Everybody watch it. It's going to be incredible, truly behind-the-scenes access that you have not seen. Um, we can't wait. So thank you guys, thank and you. congratulations so far. Thank you.